Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing praise to the Lord and oh, worship the King. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. this morning let's open up with a word of prayer lord we come before you and we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us we thank you for the facility you've given us to worship in we thank you for our brothers and sisters in christ and most of all we thank you for the savior i pray that as we gather as we lift up our voices in song and in prayer that it would be your holy spirit that stirs our hearts drawing us nearer to you in lifting up and exalting your holy name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Show. 
standing together we're gonna lift up our voices as we sing he will hold me fast
above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man.
I know I mention it almost every week. I really do appreciate those who minister to us in music and song. I was looking over here and we had, you know, brass playing, keyboard, piano, drums, piano over here. All of that is such a blessing, isn't it? And, um, and it's a blessing to have those who use their voices to minister to us. It's just a blessing. I would like you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to look at chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Title of our message this morning is Praying Like a Cupbearer. Praying Like a Cupbearer. And I'm going to explain to you what that's all about once you get to that place. I'm going to read you the first couple few verses in the chapter. Then we're going to jump down to, to verse 11 in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. So I'm going to start with verse 2. Going to read to you verses 2, 3, and 4, and listen, listen closely to what's taking place. That Hanai, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words, that I sat down and I wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What we have here is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is part of the people of Israel that have been conquered and taken into captivity. The Babylonian region had swept in. They had gone ahead and taken over all of the Judean region. When they took it over, they took into captivity all the young people, all the adults of strength. Some were able to escape up into the mountains, up into uh, hill country and in caves and after the invading army had taken all the captives away they crept out. Nehemiah brought into captivity was made a cupbearer. Now a cupbearer is a simple servant. You have the emperor, you have the king and when he wants to get a drink he calls the cupbearer over. The cupbearer comes over, takes a little bit sips it himself because he wants to make sure the king doesn't want to be poisoned. Don't you think? That's a wise thing. Cupbearer sips it. Then he gives it to the king and the king drinks. A simple servant, a servant whose life is on the line every day. This is not a powerful person. This is really not a person who has the ear of the king. It's not like he's coming in and sitting down with the king and they're chatting and visiting. That's not happening. He is a humble, quiet, sideline servant. But he has a heart for his people. He has a heart for his nation. He has a heart for God. And he's worried about all those folks that were left behind. He's worried about those that have been taken into captivity. He's concerned about Jerusalem and his heritage. And when he hears that it's still so bad, it tells us that he sat down and he wept and he mourned and he fasted. 
And the last part of verse 4 says, And he prayed before the God of heaven. And that brings us to our text, verse 11. Listen to what he calls out and says to the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's bearer. So he reaches out to the Lord. And he's going to intercede for his nation, for his people, for himself. But again, remember, he is a simple servant. What can a servant do? Even asking God, God, please intervene. Could a servant, a simple cupbearer, ever think that God could use him? But we know the Lord will. The Lord will intervene in a great and mighty way. And he will use Nehemiah. So our lesson this morning is a lesson of learning to pray, pray like a cupbearer. Maybe in your life, in your circumstances, in your situation, you're thinking to, my, to yourself, what could God do? And how could he ever use me? Well, let's, let's learn to pray like a cupbearer. So that God could use us like a cupbearer. And he could do miraculous and phenomenal things with you. So let's go back to the text there in verse 11. And the first thing I want you to see is that we must, we must come before the Lord as servants. It's important that we come before the Lord humbly. He does teach us to come boldly. And even the cupbearer, he had to approach the king with the confidence of a cupbearer. Do what he was told to do. Do it right. Do it well. Approaching boldly with confidence before God is an important part of worship. It's an important part of relationship. We start off by understanding who we are. We are the blood-bought children of God. Jesus Christ paid the price for us on Calvary. I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 down through 20 in your New Testament. Because this is what gives us the confidence and the boldness to come before the Lord. And to know that His ear is inclined to us as His servants. Look with me if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 18 on down. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. He starts off. He wants us to understand. Listen, if you have your confidence in silver and gold for your religious walk, he says, that's all vanity. If you think because you put your tithe, your offering in the offering plate, that that's going to get you to heaven, he says, that's, that's all vain thinking. That is not true. That's not real. Look at what he goes on to say, though, as we come to verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, for you. You and I were purchased not 
with gold or in silver, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As revealed, as shown forth in the scriptures, taught to us historically, coming, being born of a virgin, there living and dying there in Israel. Dying for your sins and my sins. Yes, being buried, resurrected, ascended up at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I today. He reminds us who we are. We are that blood-bought children of God. So yes, we are, even as I, uh, Nehemiah mentions, we are able to come before the Lord as his servant, as his children. But I want you to learn with me a little bit more about that. We want to come with the right attitude. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In your prayer life and in my prayer life, we want to come to him as blood-bought children of God with that confidence, that boldness that is our, our privilege as his children. But we need to come with the right attitude. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to pick it up at verse 22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. He's teaching you and I a frame of mind. He's saying to us, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer, when we come to our God in prayer, we come before him as freemen. That means we have been bought, paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. You and I are free from our sins through the forgiveness and the power, the mercy, the grace of Christ. But he says, as much as you are a freeman, you're also a servant. You're a servant of Jesus Christ. Why are we servants? Because we were bought and paid for with a price. The price of God on the cross for our sins. So he reminds us as we come before the Lord, come before him as a servant. And it's interesting that he closes it by saying, not the servants of men. Because if we're not careful, we can try to impress other people. We can try to be the servant of man, thinking somehow that that earns us right or passage to God. No. You can't get to God through me. There's no priest. There's no prophet. There's no messenger that can be the conduit for you to get to God. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between man and God. He says, don't be a servant to man. You've been bought and paid for by Jesus himself. God in the flesh who came to live and die for the sins of mankind. So he wants to make sure that we have the right attitude when we come before him as a servant in prayer. Not only in our spiritual mental state, but also our physical state. It's important for us to be humble, willing, yielded servants. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
When we come to him in prayer, as the cupbearer did, we come before the Lord as a servant, not only with the right attitude, but the right willingness. Lord, I know that I am your servant. I know that I am bought and paid for spiritually, even, even physically, I am yours. For you and I, when we receive Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. We are the very temple of God. So we need to be the kind of people who yield to Him. Our prayer life should be a humble, yes, bold. A humble, yes, confident relationship with God. Us yielding, looking to Him as one who loves us so much. He gave himself for us. When we look here in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11, not only do we see that he comes before the Lord as a servant, but we also notice that he recognizes and mentions to God that there are other servants. Look with me at the text again. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants. We have to be careful that we don't begin to think ourselves to be alone. Begin to think, well, nobody's going through what I'm going through. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. That's not true. There are many servants of God who have the same prayer that you have. Have the same concerns, the same struggles, the same burdens. You are not alone. You're part of a body of Christ that is worldwide. You're part of a local church that cares and prays for you. It's interesting that Nehemiah, as he reaches out to God, recognizes that his prayer is not the only prayer. He says, God, hear the prayers of thy plural saints. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to read to you several verses. Here we find the prophet kind of is in a little bit of a, a pity party. Listen to him. Maybe sometimes we hear ourselves in this same place. 1 Kings chapter 19, listen to verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. Listen to verse 14. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars slain thy prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away here we find the prophet saying Lord you know everybody around here everybody around here has given up on you God I'm the only one he's saying Lord even they 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 look to kill me I'm the only one left in the nation of Israel who knows and loves you. I'm all by myself. And if we're not careful, we can kind of feel that way. We look around our school and we say, 
I'm the only Christian here. No, you're not. You look around your community and you say to yourself, oh yeah, I'm the only Christian around here. There's no Christians in my community. You'd be surprised. Look what God says to the prophet here as we move down to verse 18. This is the Lord's response. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth hath not kissed him. He says to the prophet, he says, listen, I have 7,000 servants who are still faithful to the true and living God. They have not bowed their knee to Baal. They've not kissed his statue. They are still the servants of the Lord. And the prophet says to himself, maybe, wow, I had no idea. And you and I, sometimes we have no idea. We are not alone. You are not alone. There are others who know and love the Lord. And when you come before God, you come with a voice of prayer that is joined by people from all around the world. That's the prayer of a cupbearer. A prayer of the servant of God coming to before him as a servant, but understanding that there are yet many other servants who are also prayer warriors. As we go back to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11, look with me down in the, in the prayer. He says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day. I love that. I love that the prophet Nehemiah, simple cupbearer in the king's household, he reaches out and he says, God, I pray today. If we're not careful, we put off our prayers. We pray tomorrow or maybe next week or next month. When I find the time, it's just so busy, so busy. I have no time to talk to God. Well, you want to hope that God doesn't get so busy that he doesn't have time for you. Amen? I know that I need him, and I need him every day. And this servant of the Lord, he reaches out to the Lord, and he says to him, Lord, I am thy servant, and I pray, I reach out to you this day. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That's who you and I should be. No matter what the tribulation, no matter what it is that requires our patience, our, our long-suffering, no matter what the circumstances, you and I should be that person who is instant in prayer. That means it's right there. It's right there at the tip of our tongue. It's right there at the corner of our heart. It's interesting in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the shortest verses in all the Bible, it simply says, pray without ceasing. It means to be in that continual relationship with God, that no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, the Lord is there with you. Henry has a dog that he loves. And everywhere Henry goes, the dog goes. Am I wrong, Henry? He's with us a lot. Yep, he's with us a lot, he says. 
But I see Henry pull up in his pickup truck. He might come to help us with something here at the church. And he's got, he's got that dog with him. Because you know what? They're companions. That dog looks to Henry. Henry's got to feed him, water him. Do you brush him? Brush him. Whatever is required, he's got to do. You and I in our life with our Lord. We are his companion. We are his children. In fact, Christ said, you are my friend. He said, if it were not so, you know, if you were just my servant, I would not tell you all that I tell you. But, but you're my friend. You and I are the friend of God. And it should be that we are there as a companion with him. Praying without ceasing. Be instant in prayer. You and I always quickly, easily reaching out to him. Not always with requests. Also with praise and thanksgiving. Letting God know, I appreciate, I'm thankful for all that you have done for me in my life. That's part of praying without ceasing. I was, I was just talking to somebody this morning that had been over by my house. And I live on 22A. And I, they had pulled out of my driveway or something. They looked out across the Adirondack Mountains. And they said, boy, Pastor, you have a beautiful view. And I told them. I said, you know, regularly... I pull down my driveway and I stop. I always stop because you're supposed to. So I stop. But I look at the view and I just take a moment and say, thank you, Lord. Because I have no idea what life holds. Tomorrow, I may be gone. I could lose my eyesight. Anything could happen. But today, I can look out and see the blessing of the Lord. And I try to remind myself. To be thankful for things that are so common, so every day, that we stop seeing them. This morning, as you were coming into church, and I was getting ready over here, and you were trickling in and finding your seat, I was thanking the Lord. Thanking the Lord for you to come and worship. For us to be a church family. For us to be able to come and lift up our voices in song and our hearts in prayer. I am thankful to God for you. It's part of praying without ceasing. It's part of being instant in prayer. Learning to just understand and know that God is my companion and he's right here with me. No matter what I'm going through, he's going through. We're here together. As Nehemiah reaches out to God as a very simple cupbearer. He is not a powerful and influential man. But he knows he has a powerful and influential God. Look back with me at our text there and listen to what he says as he comes down to the end of the text. He says, I pray thee, thy servant, this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. He's asking God to bring mercy into his life and his circumstance. Because the king had full power to just take Nehemiah's life. These are not presidents or congressmen in the United States who are supposed to be held accountable. These are people who have no accountability. 
And as Nehemiah comes and approaches the king, as we go farther in the text, the king will say to him, Nehemiah, you look a little sad today. What's going on? But just as easily, the king could have gone ahead and leaned over to another servant and said, hey, this guy's looking a little sad today. Take his head off. I don't want to see sad people today. He could have done that. And nobody would have held him to account. So Nehemiah, in his prayer to God, he says, Lord, grant, grant me mercy before this man. Because Nehemiah is hoping to be used of the Lord in some way. How? Who knows? Only God knows. You and I, every day, we need the mercy. We need the mercy of God. We need the intervention of God in our lives. We need him to watch over us, care for us, protect us, guide us, help us in any way and in every way. Because we are simple servants. We are servants of the Lord, both in mind and soul and spirit and body. Bought and paid for by the price of our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. You and I, we come before God because we are his servants. We come every day, multiple times a day, without ceasing, instant in prayer. And we just need the mercy of the Lord. We need him to intervene in every aspect of our lives. You and I that didn't grow up in homes that taught us about Jesus. At some point in our lives, I was a 16-year-old kid before somebody on the job shared with me the hope and faith that there was in Jesus Christ. And that was a whole new world for me. I'd never heard of such a thing. I'd heard of Jesus... You know, I think I'd gone to church two or three times in my entire childhood. I'd heard him as a curse word. I knew that he was in the Bible, but I knew nothing about him dying for my sins. But all of a sudden, I learned about the mercy, the grace of God. And it was an enlightenment for me. It took me a while. You know, this, this guy on the job would talk to me about it every day. And it took me all summer long to kind of wrap my head around the idea that there was a Jesus who died for my sins. Towards the end of the summer, after I was done working with him on the job, he came to visit me at my house. My parents were not religious people. And so he pulled up in his little Ford Bronco. I came out of the house because didn't really want him to come in the house and talk to me about God. That was not going to go well. So I went out I, and I chatted with him at his little Bronco. And he told me, he says, listen, I'm going to do a Bible study at my house. I really wish you'd come. I thought, what a great date night for my girlfriend and I. We'll, yeah, we'll come. You're going to have food and stuff? Yeah, we're going to have food and everything. Okay, great. So we started going to a Bible study. And it took months before he finally got me to go to church. That was a big step for me to go to church. Drove to church. The church wasn't even in a church. It was in an elementary school. Went to the elementary school and the cafeteria was set up and they were having church services. And all of a sudden I started to hear again the things I've been hearing all summer 
into the fall about Jesus dying for my sins. Mercy, grace, forgiveness. And I would hold on to that little metal chair in front of me when we had the invitation time. And the first few times, man, I'm telling you, I, I sweated. And I'm serious. And finally, one Sunday morning, I went to the altar, which was just going to the front row of chairs. And the pastor came down and he knelt down beside me and he showed me in the Bible how to receive Jesus. And as a 16 year old kid, I received Christ as my savior. And it changed my eternity and my life. Here you hear Nehemiah reach out to God. And he says, Lord, Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I am the king's cupbearer. He says, God, I need mercy in my life. I need this king to show me mercy. I need you, Lord, to give me mercy. You and I in our lives, it is only through the mercy and grace of our God that today we are forgiven. It is only through the mercy and grace of God that you and I have hope. Hope that passes this life into the next. If you've not received Christ as your savior today, come to the altar. Let me have the Bible opened and, and have them answer your questions today that you might call out and receive Christ as your savior as I did as a 16 year old boy. Nehemiah reaches out and God miraculously works. When he comes in sad before the king, the king cares. Who would think the king would care? I mean, I'm serious. Kings are kind of self-absorbed. Are you not thinking so? Nehemiah comes in, he actually cares. Hey, why are you sad? And it opens up the door for Nehemiah to say, I'm sad about my people. I'm sad about my city. Sad about my heritage. Back there in Jerusalem, it's burned, it's collapsed. People are, people are struggling. And the king cares. You know what that's called? Mercy. Grace. All of a sudden, a king who had, he's part of an empire of power, cares about a simple cupbearer. That's the miracle of God. In your life and in my life, if we will learn to pray, pray like a cupbearer. If we'll learn to pray as a servant, both spiritually, physically giving ourselves over to him. Learning to pray, understanding that we are not alone, but there are many just like us, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Learning to pray every day. Not once in a while here and there when we're in a jam, but as a part of our lives, praying without ceasing. And understanding that we need the mercy of God. Every day, we need the mercy of God. Father in heaven, as we go forth, I pray that you would help us to be prayer warriors. While Nehemiah was a simple cupbearer, he was a mighty prayer warrior. I pray that you help us to go forth from this place representing you well in our community. For Lord, you desire to use us to make a difference in the world we live in. 
Help us to be willing servants. We praise you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.